Welcome to What Does This Mean? A discussion of the readings that are assigned in the Lutheran Church for the 18th Sunday after Pentecost. It's hard to keep track of. I know. This is when you start forgetting what number we're on. But just all you have to remember is that we sometimes call this the green season. It's a season of growth and learning. So a lot of parables and stories we tell during this time. And actually this week, we're going to hear two really great stories about healing and giving thanks. And then we'll read another little section from 2 Timothy. We've actually been reading him for a couple weeks, and we'll be reading from him for a few more. Today, Jesus says, get on your way. Your faith has made you well, which I think are great words to start. So we're glad that you've joined us. Welcome back to this week's podcast on Sunday's Scripture Readings. I'm Pastor Bradley Schmeling. I'm Pastor Lois Palmeyer, And I'm Pastor Javen Swanson. We are the pastors at Gloria Day Lutheran Church in St. Paul, Minnesota. And for these next few minutes, we're going to be discussing the readings that we'll hear in worship this coming Sunday. We like to do this because... Um, It seems as if it helps me always to read the readings earlier in the week um, than maybe Saturday or Sunday, (laughs) that morning to hear them for the first time. Um, Especially if you're preaching. Exactly. It's good to have read them a little bit earlier. I always had a friend who said, when you say in your sermon, I thought about this in the car on the way over, I know you didn't really prepare. (laughs) Right. But it does help us sink into the readings and let them kind of grow in us during the week. And we hope that that maybe will help you as well, so that by Sunday morning, you've had a chance to think about what these readings are saying to us. In this season of our podcast, we're trying something a little different. We've been inviting special guests to join us for these conversations. Last week, we had our communications coordinator, Linda McDonald, um, in for a great conversation. And we're excited this week to have Jill Stewart with wow. us. Um, we've welcome, been, celebrity. Yes, Hello. welcome, Jill. We've invited, we're inviting the guests just to ask whatever questions they have or bring whatever reflections or reactions that they have to help kind of spark our conversation together about these texts. So Jill, we're so glad you're here. Why don't you tell us just a little bit about yourself? Well, I'm really happy to be here joining all of you because I have been enjoying all the podcasts from the first season. We didn't pay her to say that. No. Um, <laughs> but that's how but, you get on this show, just in case anybody wants to know. I am proud to say that I'm a lifelong member at Gloria Day Lutheran Church, and I have worked as uh, public health nurse for more than 30 years, and currently I'm working as the parish nurse at Gloria Day. So I think it's really, the readings we got today were really appropriate, and I'm looking forward to discussing them. I live in St. Paul with my husband, Scott. I have two grown sons, Chris and Matt, who live in Duluth, and I like to go walking and reading in my spare time. Tell us a little bit about what the parish nurse does at Gloria Day. The parish nurse at Gloria Day has a role in enhancing the health and well-being of everybody in the congregation as well as reaching out to the community. 
Cool. Well, Jill, we're glad you're here. Pastor Bradley, why don't you read the first reading for us? Okay, this is 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 1 through 3, and then it skips to verse 7 through 15. C. I love it. I know that that means verse 15 is kind of split into three parts. So um, it must must be be, four parts. Yeah, I was going to say. It must be a D because they don't have us read the whole verse. Yeah, it really makes you wonder what the D part is. Don't don't read the words. Don't read it. No, don't look at it. Things we don't want the church to hear. (laughs) Part D of verse 15, the secret (laughs) verse in the Bible. Anyway, well, here's the story. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Aram, was a great man and in high favor with his master because by him the Lord had given victory to Aram. The man, though a mighty warrior, suffered from leprosy. Now the Arameans on one of their raids had taken a young girl captive from the land of Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to give death or life that this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Just look and see how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me. But when Elisha... The man of God heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes. He sent a message to the king. Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come to me and he may learn that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and halted at the entrance of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, Go wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored, and you shall be clean. But Naaman became angry and went away saying, I thought that for me he would surely come out and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and would wave his hand over the spot and cure the leprosy. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? He turned and went away in rage. But his servants approached and said to him, Father, if the prophet had commanded you to do something difficult, would you not have done it? How much more when all he said to you was, Wash and be clean. So he went down and immersed himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. His flesh was restored like the flesh of a young boy, and he was clean. Then he returned to the man of God, he and all his company. He came and stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Thank you, Pastor Bradley. So, Jill, this is where we look at you and say, what questions do you have or what reactions do you have to this reading? Leprosy is kind of an interesting topic all by itself. I really have only seen pictures of it in textbooks when I was in nursing school. It's not a common disease now. There are antibiotics that can treat it. But at this time that they're talking about, 
really any time before the age of antibiotics, there was nothing to be done for leprosy. It was a very feared communicable disease. Everybody was terrified of it. And I can, having worked in public health, I can say that most people really get scared about communicable diseases and they get scared about catching them and and they don't want to be around people who who are sick. I can see where everybody would be very interested in having Naaman get cured. I would think Naaman would be really interested in getting this taken care of. That's an interesting. I'd never thought of it that way. But, you know, Naaman's this powerful person. And then for him <laughs> to be laid low by this ugly, scary disease. And we don't really think much about what leprosy is. Because like you said, Jill, like none of us really even know much about leprosy because it's just not something we deal with very much. But as you were talking, it made me think, what is the what is a similar sort of thing today that we would be so afraid of, like HIV or Ebola? Ebola. Yeah. yeah. Even in the time when I was back in, in nursing school, that was a, a while ago, but still people were generally living, had been living apart from other people. Leprosy was a disease that separated them from others. And there was a a lot of stigma about it. And I recall early in my career the uproar about HIV and everyone was terrified and they didn't know what caused it or what could be done. It seemed like a certain death sentence and there was a lot of stigma. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think that's an apt modern comparison. Yeah. comparison. Yeah. So reading this then, I can see that the servants and everybody in the household would probably have wanted Naaman to get better you know, for one thing, it would it made everything better when the boss is happy, everybody's happy. <laughs> that is right. But, <laughs> All right. Don't we know it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but also that they maybe wouldn't want to get sick themselves. themselves. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, and I think your point is really great because it highlights the relationship. Well, yeah, disease and community, that both of those things are linked together. And when someone is sick, it affects all of the relationships around them. Yeah, yeah. I don't understand why when Naaman was told that Elisha was the person that he should go to, why did he go to the king? Probably it was good order. Like, you know, you go to the top of the chain to say, okay, I would, you know, before I address your prophet, I'll... I'll address you first. He needed to get his visa stamped. Right. Right. Yeah, right. 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 Well, that's, there's probably truth in that. There's a, these are enemy countries here. Okay. These are enemies of each other. So to get that kind of you right. know, pass to... That, I think that's the thing I love about this story is that this is an enemy. Naaman is an enemy to the Israelites. And yet the great prophet of Israel offers him healing. Um and that could easily be lost on us, I think, if we just if we don't really know much about Aram or the ancient kind of geography, we mm-hmm. could lose sight that actually this is a pretty radical thing that's just happened here. I also like the way the king responds, though, to say, hey, you know, am I supposed to be able to, you know, respond to who this person or that person and hand out healings here or there, you know, as, as I wish? I don't have that kind of power. So even the king recognizes I can't. I can't really speak for God. And here's Elisha in the background kind of raising his hand like, oh, pick me, pick me. I can do that. You know, but um, 
the king saying, I don't, you know, I can't respond to requests like this. The other thing that I wonder is why, considering how bad this disease was, why did Naaman get mad? Why did he go off in a huff without even trying to do the thing? That, I mean, he went all this way to get better, and and then he got mad. This is the part, I love this part of the story, because he wants a big show. He wants right. the prophet to wave his hands around pocus, and, pocus you know, and... do a big dramatic thing. And all Elisha does is say, eh, go wash in the river and you'll be clean. I love the little um, the little kind of synopsis that we print in the column, you know, in our bulletin next to the reading says, um, in this passage, Elisha miraculously cures his illness, but only after Naaman realizes, with the help of his servants, that he also needs healing for his pride. Oh, okay. I love good. that. Good. Well, that's a, a good note maybe to wind up here and move on to our second reading. Let's take a little break. Welcome back. Our second reading is from, again, from 2 Timothy chapter 2, uh, verses 8 through 15. I think this follows right after the passage that we read last week. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, a descendant of David. That is my gospel, for which I suffer hardship, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But the word of God is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, so that they may also obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is sure. If we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Remind them of this and warn them before God that they are to avoid wrangling over words, which does no good but only ruins those who are listening. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved by him, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly explaining the word of truth. I think the whole piece about avoiding wrangling over words is really something that stands out to me. I think there's a lot of wrangling over words these days, mm -hmm. and people seem to be looking for ways to kind of bend and stretch what they read, whether it's in the newspaper or on the media. It's sad that it happens with the Word of God, but, but you see examples of it frequently, every day. Right. And it it's, uh, really strikes me as something damaging. It, it breaks relationships, and it hurts our ability to be in community, I it think. It ruins those who are listening. Yeah. Sounds, that, I think yeah. That's, that's a really helpful point, Jill, because I think if we're wrangling about words, it means we are jostling for an advantage, you know, we are pressing an agenda. We're not genuinely seeking 
insight or connection with one another. We're trying to win something. And somehow wrangling over words says to me that we're fighting about things that we're not actually fighting about ideas that matter. We're just fighting about words, um, the way we describe things. And it does feel like that's what we're seeing a lot of right now. And it feels so pointless and fruitless. And so this reading is so, so right on. I love the way it's just remember Jesus Christ. Like if you're, if you're all concerned about, oh, but it says this over here, but no, this, I think it means this, or it says this, this, you know, just like, okay, focus on what would Jesus do? Mm-hmm. What would Jesus say? What is the meaning of Jesus? If you can start there, remember that it'll put everything else into perspective. And I think for me, that is the piece that connects the first and second readings, because in both cases, it's about how wrong it is to have to be right and have things your way. Mm. I have to have it the way I oh, that's good. want it. Mm. Yeah. Instead, we get to focus on what, what God, God is doing. And that um, it goes on to say, the word of God is not chained. You know, like we have all these like, oh, it really says this. It has to be exactly that. It means this. It's like, well, maybe it has meant that, but that's been chained in. And God's grace and the message of Scripture, the message of Christ, is not ever going to be chained. It's always free to be a new thing, mm-hmm. to do a new thing, right. to not, say something new. Not easily controlled. Like it's yeah. not going to be a neat and tidy kind of gospel, but maybe something radical might happen. I stumble on that verse, if we deny him, he will also deny us. It, it you know, follows with, a, but if we are faithless, he's going to remain faithful, you know, but that, what does it mean for Jesus to deny us? Or is he denying our denial? Our, our denial. It's like when a, when a uh, two-year-old is throwing a hissy fit, and it's like, okay, you can just think that, but I'm going to move on. Or maybe it's that Jesus isn't going to participate in our own denial, that we kind of, we don't, we choose not to see certain things or paper over them or pretend they don't exist. And Jesus is saying, look, I'm not playing that game. I, I deny that game. That's good. Yeah. Well, let's, let's wind up there and move on to our gospel reading. But first let's take a little break. Welcome back. Our gospel reading for Sunday will be Luke 17, verses 11 through 19. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, Were not ten made clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? 
Then he said to him, Get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. Already I heard this reading differently because of our conversation after the first reading about leprosy and just thinking about what it must mean to be healed from leprosy. That's why the 10 are keeping their distance from people. They may be people who really had never had a relationship before they developed leprosy, but now that they're kind of in that same boat together, there's 10 of them all together. We don't know anything else about their background except that they had been afflicted with leprosy and therefore they were kind of a little band of outcasts together and encountered Jesus and and asked for healing. And it's interesting, I think, that this word that they talk about is being made clean. I think when I hear that choice of words, it makes me think about the stigma of some diseases that people see as contaminating them, I mean, in a deeper way than a germ, but they're somehow somehow bad or somehow um, less than. When we're sick, we're somehow dirty. Yeah. You know, like we're, there's something like something wrong. With something us. wrong. Yeah. Something yeah. wrong. The physical is just a symptom of something deeper mm. that's the real problem. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I think that probably was all going on in Jesus' time. And, and I think, obviously still does. Yeah. And I think when I've, when, when we read these healing stories in the Bible, I think often what's going on alongside the physical healing is the restoration to community. I mean, I think you're right to pick up on that. Jill, because I think that's really part of what Jesus wasn't just about making people feel better, though that was part of it. It was also about saying, you deserve wholeness and community and to be in relation. I want to bring you back into relationship with your community. And I think when Jesus is healing, that's part of what it's about. And I wonder, too, if it's about being right with God. In a sense, you know, in first century Jude- Judaism, there was this sense of ritually clean or or unclean. And that was about your spirituality, about your relationship to God. And I wonder if that is a message for us in the 21st century where we see things much more medically. You know, we can treat something with medicine or surgery. And so we think of being made better in just a purely physical kind of way. But there's always something in all of these stories where where we're being called to, to get right with God, to say there is a spiritual dimension to our life that we're not going to experience wellness or health without attending to our spirituality as well. And that comes by by praising God, like coming back to praise God, to give thanks, you know, the, the um, gratitude, but also just the sense of praising God is restorative for us. You know, it really helps us become more whole, which we don't usually think of. It seems like a good thing to do, maybe for God's sake or something, but um, that it makes us more whole to do that, to bring us back to that. Yeah, there's something in here about sort of just acknowledging the source of that healing and and being able to sort of stand in awe of the mystery of our bodies and of health and recognizing there's something bigger at play in all of this. And and maybe that's what you're alluding to, Pastor Bradley, is like there's a sense of wholeness and wellness involves being not just restored physically, but at one with our creator and at one with one another. And that's really sort of what wholeness 
entails. Getting on to the later parts of this reading where everybody is getting healed and only one, the Samaritan, comes back to say thank you. And I've wondered about this all my life since I was little and thinking, what about the other nine? Were they not properly brought up to say thank you? (laughs) Um, And now with Jesus calling out the man as a foreigner, as a Samaritan, as different from the other people, then I wonder, were the other people Israelites? Were they like, oh, man, we can ditch this Samaritan and and go back home? You know, separating themselves out of a community that they had been in. It's like, so are they as healed now as the one that turned back and said, thank you? I heard that this time for the first time, too. The sense of that meant a Samaritan was hanging out with nine other non-Samaritans, that the disease actually helped them create a new sense of community. Or forced them to. Forced them, right, into relationship with people that they normally wouldn't hang out with at all. And now that the one they're cured or healed in some way, cleansed, those lines get drawn again. They're I, picking I them, the, at least though that one group is kind of picking them up again. Yeah, well, and that makes the Jesus uh, judgment of those nine different than just, okay, you weren't polite to say thank you, you didn't send your note, but they didn't understand genuine healing and community. Um, they they continue to be unwell um, in the story, though only the one is made well. They're all cured, but only one is made whole. well, and that has to do with how we experience one another. Wow. I think that's a connection between the first reading and this one is that this is an outsider. So Naaman was an outsider. Here, the one who comes back is an outsider, a Samaritan. And I think we should hear something in that about where God's preferences lie and don't lie. (laughs) You know, it's not just that those of us who are insiders get some sort of inside track to God's mercy or something. It's, I think, God's mercy is for all people. And I think that's what comes to the fore for me today, hearing these two readings together. God's truth is not chained. You know, right. it's, it's going to be free to, to bring healing and wholeness all over the place. Right. And I have been surprised through my career to encounter people who have had some really terrible things happen to them, um, unexpected illnesses or accidents or other misfortunes that they actually had said it was a way for them to draw closer to God. It strengthened their faith and it brought them into communities that they wouldn't have otherwise encountered and really deepened their lives and their faith. And some of them have actually said, I, if I had the chance to go back and change this again, I wouldn't because, you know, this has really helped me to get closer to God. And I think, well, there's this one, there's the one guy who is experiencing this. Hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. And just a little biblical note here, the word giving thanks is Eucharistia, um, from which we get the word Eucharist. And so it reminds me that the kind of gratitude that gives life and creates wellness, we're trying to practice every week. You know, that one of the things that we do when we get together on Sunday is we give thanks for what God has done. And in some ways, that's this kind of recognition that 
all of us forget to do that mostly, that generally we're part of the nine. We're kind of Mm -hmm. doing our thing. We're going on with what we need to do. And we kind of forget to come back to that source, as you were saying, Pastor Javen. But every week the church gives us an opportunity to kind of stop and give thanks and, and come back. And we actually need that whole community in order to give thanks because we don't do it very well as individuals. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is right. We, we need Our that. duty and our joy. Well, let's wind up there. Jill, thank you so much yes, for being you, here. It was really oh, fun to have you. Thank you. It great, was fun. Yeah, you had great insights and uh, questions. And if any of you listening would like to be a guest on our show, let us know. Or if you just have thoughts or questions for us, you can always email us at pastors at gloriadaystpaul.org. We make a special thank you. That is the text. Call us to do a Eucharistia to Paul Friesen Carper for providing the music for us, and especially to Marshall Saunders of Minnesota Podcast, who edits us and produces these podcasts for us. Join us for worship every Sunday at either 8.15 or 10.45, with Sunday school in between at 9.30 for all ages. Again, thank you so much for joining us today. Know that God is with you, God loves you, and God will provide what you need for today. This has been What Does This Mean? A podcast created by Gloria Day Lutheran Church in St. Paul, Minnesota. You can find Gloria Day online at www.gloriadaystpaul.org. This podcast has been produced by Minnesota Podcasting. And they can be found online at www.mnpodcasting.com.